0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum ten dollars per order. Additional terms apply.
1: There is a bit of news. Apparently, there is somebody in Las Vegas that is climbing the Sphere. If you haven't seen the Sphere, it's the giant uh, dome that has the uh, the video on the outside. And so they'll like they'll like do like an eyeball or they like do all these kind of different tributes. And uh, honestly, I think without the uh, not the miracle of pharmaceutical invention, it, it really doesn't do much for me. I would imagine I, if you're in Vegas... The, I
2: think it's the stupidest thing. Why? It, it's like...
1: See, what well, you and I are saying this as sober people. <laughs> if you're in Vegas and everything's just a little bit legal, I think you might feel different.
2: But you like, mean climbing the sphere? No, no, no. I'm saying no, the sphere no, in general no, is no, I, seems no, stupid yeah, to me. No, no, we are in a
1: complete agreement. Like climbing the, s- the sphere is stupid. There's no... <laughs> There's no way you can paint that as anything other than a bad drug trip or just flat, flat <laughs> out stupid. My point is you are not going to understand the real wow factor if you're sober and you're not up on the thing. You're watching a video in Ohio.
2: It just feels like this fear is like the peak of like American gluttony of just like, oh, what's the biggest thing that we can put screens on? And everyone, like we just get so excited. Like, you go through the section at Walmart and there's all these TVs and you're like, oh, that one's bigger than mine. What is our obsession with screens? Who cares that this building has a massive screen and it's just like projecting random things out there like I, the helmet of the Chiefs or the helmet of the 49ers? I don't care. I think you need to take I do more not drugs.
1: Care. I think that's the reality here. By the way, did you just every go? T- every by time. Way, let me ask you. Now I got to know. How big a TV you have? Uh, that was bad English. How big of a TV do you have? Is, I guess <laughs> I forget really.
2: what our, our our living room TV is our biggest one. I forget what it is. It's, pro- it's some in the range of like 55, 60. Okay. So like
1: clearly you care about screen size.
2: I mean, I, I want a bigger screen for, like, that room. I don't need, like, the biggest screen, though. Like, that's never been my thing. It's 60S TV. Thing.
1: That's a big-ass TV. I think it's
2: 55. I don't know. Whatever. I so, mean, I, are I, you a sizist? Are you out here
1: saying because <laughs> I don't have a seventy-five inch TV? That are you are you shaming no, people I just, with bigger TVs?
2: I, I listen. If you have a big screen TV for your house, it makes sense. But why do we care that it's on like the side of a? What is the point of that? You're you're driving around because
1: it's also inside. It's the same reason why
2: I think the screen on top of Rocket Mortgage Field House is stupid. Who's looking at that? Who's looking at the screen on top of Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse?
1: The Goodyear blimp. And also, I don't think that's a one-for-one comparison. Every, like,
2: 17 times the Goodyear blimp is in downtown Cleveland for a year? Something
1: E.T. and the Goodyear blimp can see is not the same thing as something you can see at any point in Las Vegas.
0: I mean, everything looks better on a bigger screen.
1: That is fair. Also, it's supposed to be, like, the ultra-high resolution, like the the best possible resolution now. But what is the
2: point? Like, what are you watching on there? Uh, and it's usually like they put smiley faces on there and they put like like what you just sitting there watching the screen change you like get your bet you you get your fold-up chair and you're sitting outside with your popcorn and you're like oh what are they going to put on the screen next hour you're okay just whats the difference
1: happen? between that and the Eiffel tower it's just a tower like the my my point is it's kind of just there to be a landmark At least this, you can change what it's going to look like. You can do cool stuff with it. And by the way, the the point is the inside. The 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 outside is
2: not the point. The inside is the point. The difference is, like, the Eiffel Tower has, like, a lot of historical relevance. Well, one day this one will. Yeah.
1: 200 years from now, your take is going to look like crap. The world will not exist
2: in 200 years from now because of things like the sphere that are killing everybody. Okay, Tyree. Good Lord. Yes, How many please. times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? Also, I've heard that the tickets are like astronomical for that thing. Just because you're paying uh, James Dolan just to go sit inside his sphere, that literally once you're in there, it means nothing to you. Did you become Jeff Phelps? <laughs> is there something? Is that the <laughs> chair this that Phelps, sh- yeah, Phelps sets in? I didn't swap out you the You became the
1: oldest man in this building. Because you're missing the point. The point is, you go inside the sphere, and it's unparalleled technology, and then you take the drugs, and then your mind really goes out there.
2: <laughs> do they give you drugs when you walk in?
1: That No, that's not the price of admission. <laughs> but I, I, but the assumption is, if you're going to see U2... Uh, do they kick in, you
2: out because it's a James Dolan thing, if you uh, talk bad about James Dolan like they do at Madison Square Garden?
1: I don't think that's... No, no. I think... Um, no, I don't even... No, that has nothing to do with this. No. You... you, you uh, you take a little ayahuasca, you take some wask, you do a little shrooms, you go in, you watch your U2. I think, uh, uh, oh, the Grateful Dead's going to be there. There's like a, a seven-day something. Yeah, the dead and company yeah. thing. Yeah, the, the assumption there is you're going to get loaded on something and your mind's going to be blown. So I I feel like you're I being just, very I just, dismissive. I, I just don't care. See, okay, now <laughs> early in the show. Uh, and to be
2: clear, I don't really care about the Eiffel Tower either, if I'm being honest, like whatever.
1: What about the Statue of Liberty?
2: Uh, what, uh, take yeah. it or leave it. Send it back to France.
1: Yeah, the, <laughs> uh, the single greatest, uh, um, I almost said symptom. The single greatest <laughs> signal of freedom and American pride in history is a, a, a little a little too green for my liking. Um, so we started the show with uh, celebrating Meredith Kane, celebrating National uh, Girls and Women in Sports Day, with Meredith saying, can you guys Venmo me five bucks each? which I thought was brilliant. And now I think we need to get a GoFundMe going to send your ass to the Sphere. But but it's 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 a it's a, a round know, trip to to Vegas. It's a ticket to the Sphere and also maybe like 500 bucks for some for some good, good. So you can truly, you're going to come back. That money will
2: not go to what you think it'll go to. That'll it, it, go to paying for other, like, I need to get a new car at some point. It's just going to end up being a car payment. Right, so I,
1: I did not see that turn. <laughs> when you said, when we talked about Las Vegas, you said that money's not where you think it's going. <laughs> I'm like, Spencer, your wife might be listening I know, right now. I meant, now. like,
2: none of the money. Like, I will not even make it to Vegas because I'll just yeah. pocket the money. There'll be a scandal. We'll be like, oh, we raised the money for this thing. Well, uh, I didn't ask you to raise the money. I just...
1: We got Fedor coming up in about 15 minutes here. 216-474-0092. I would like to know. Um, do you agree with Spencer on the sphere in Las Vegas? Because that's not where the show is going to go. But your dismissive (laughs) and ridicule of the sphere, in my opinion, a little rich for my blood. Like you can't, you have to be at least a little a little curious about it. The idea of ah, it's just a big screen. I think you might be underselling it just a little bit. It is a, it's
2: a, it's a whole thing. And it's become like it's become. I feel like in society, it's become what LeBron James has become for SportsCenter, where like if LeBron James is is eating a peanut butter sandwich, walking around the streets of LA, they're like, oh, LeBron, he's in the streets of LA eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And it's the same thing with the Sphere. Every time, oh, a the new... Sphere
3: is
1: eating a peanut no, no, no. butter and jelly
2: sandwich. <laughs> Every time they put something new on the Sphere. It's on, my, it's on my timeline. Like, oh, today they're projecting a smiley face on the Sphere. And today they're uh, showing Nick Wilson on the Sphere. Like, I don't care. I don't care what goes on the Sphere every day. Just Dennis. Don't.
1: Dennis on Twitter. Y'all crazy. That Sphere is cool AF in person. I also,
2: somebody recently, uh, I don't remember what I was listening to. Somebody recently said that it was kind of lackluster in person like they were like it's not as
1: it's not as like as All right. that was a bad analogy of lebron with a peanut butter sandwich now we're just anonymously sourcing no, opinions no, no. you can't remember <laughs> like ah oh, yeah this was no, a guy the analogy was that and it was like the guy that grabbed uh, bags your groceries at, at uh at ge that's the guy that told the you point, this the point fear of wasn't the analogy
2: was that like anytime lebron does something sports centers reporting on it. the analogy and, is
1: not the problem the and, entire and, take and, is the problem <laughs> the, the, you've, the fact that you've then led to ah it was somebody somebody could be it was LeBron James hates the sphere or it could be like the guy that uh, that that gave you like a five dollar so, coupon to I want to say it was on the Eagle. Levitard
2: show because they went out there for Vegas this week and I think I was listening to the show earlier the week and they said that it was.
1: The I world. think you have to pinpoint your, your 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 source a little bit better. I'll find somebody, I'll figure somebody out who like, on the
2: show said there's 50 people on yes, the Levitard are show. Yes, there people on the Levitard like, show.
1: Ah, yeah, it was the guy that uh, he's the uh, janitor on the Levitard show. Said I'll vet it and sphere, not out who said
2: it. I'll let you know. Um, I'll get back
1: to you now that we get to that. a Little late in the conversation. We do have Fedor coming up in about 15 minutes. We'll ask his thoughts about the sphere. Um, he was on with Jonathan Peterlin last night and had a had a pretty interesting take about Donovan Mitchell and the importance of Donovan Mitchell to the Cavs and, and kind of just why maybe Donovan doesn't have the traction and town he deserves.
3: Like, this is a guy who, since coming into the NBA, has never missed the playoffs. So it is clear that his style and the way that he approaches the game, it translates to winning. Like, this is a guy who elevates teams. This is a guy who elevates teammates. And I just don't understand why this city just hasn't wrapped their arms around him and embraced him to the level that they have with other guys that have come through here.
1: So I'm approaching this at my own peril here, given the take on the sphere here. I'm curious, do you agree with Fedor that Cleveland has not embraced Donovan Mitchell the way they may may have other players? Just
2: like the sphere, Donovan... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding.
1: And Donovan Mitchell's just like LeBron eating a peanut butter sandwich.
2: <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I, I think that... That 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 stance honestly could sort of be used in terms of how we feel about Donovan Mitchell. I think in this town, like if Donovan Mitchell was walking down the street eating eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I don't think enough people would care about that here in Cleveland, which is interesting. But where, um, but
1: I just my point is before we get fully into it,
2: yeah, where's
1: anybody gauging this on? Like I see Donovan Mitchell jerseys everywhere. Yeah. I I like I I see anytime you talk about Donovan Mitchell. And his future on like social media, it becomes a full blown brouhaha. I, I think.
2: I think the problem is that pretty much from like the moment he got here, the assumption and the reporting around his name from national pundits and insiders who who have the information has just always been. Well, he th- like even, think about it, even when he first came here, it was like, well, he thought he was going to the Knicks, and then as the months kind of went on last year, it was, well, he still wants to get to the Knicks one day. And then in the offseason, he didn't sign the extension, which, by the way, was actually probably the right move for him because he would have cost him – it benefits him more to sign this summer and make more money than it would have last summer. Um, But the conversation became full-fledged, like, well, if he doesn't commit now, then, yeah, they better trade him. And so I think because of all that, that people have kind of just embraced this almost in the same way as, like, the Deshaun Watson deal. Like, this is a business transaction. This is the Cavs trying to go get a superstar – Bring him in and see if it, they can parlay it into a championship run and what it means and if they can have success. And if he, and they're kind of just bracing for him to leave at some point. And so I think that's why he hasn't maybe had as much support or there hasn't been as much fanfare. But you, to your point, though, like you're talking about a guy who dropped 70 points in a game. Like nobody else in Cavs history had done that before. Well, but like I just, I, I guess my thing is so I'm still kind of wrapping my
1: head around the idea that Cleveland hasn't embraced Donovan. And and obviously we got feeds coming up here in the next segment so I can ask him directly but like I I don't see how we haven't. Like I I think in spite of everything you've said, in spite of um Donovan's uh, future, in spite of uh, uh, him being a guy you drafted and developed versus a guy like Darius. 2 years ago when I first got back to Cleveland, I made the mistake of saying at the time I would have traded Darius for Donovan if that's what it took to get Donovan Mitchell here and honestly it was an uncomfortable next week after that cuz i pissed off a lot of people that take 2 years later i think i have more people agreeing with the take i'm not saying i necessarily have the take but that it'd be better for the cavs going forward if donovan stayed and you were able to deal darius for a guy that is perfectly like fits perfectly with with donovan as a 3 and d player on the wing so like that's how much this has changed in 2 years that's mm-hmm. one way i've looked at 2 years ago, we're not saying that. We're we'll saying wow. well, why don't you just go ahead and get the piece that that fits with Darius instead of making that
2: trade. Uh, that's what's interesting about the situation right now is until you have commitment from Donovan that he's willing to stick around, you can't really move anybody else because if Donovan leaves, you kind of need Darius to be the 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 point guard, the centerpiece offensively that you're sort of building around and everyone else is kind of off of him. So, that's what I think makes it really interesting is that the predicament they're in right now until they have a firm answer on Donovan They can't really do anything else. In that last segment, Spencer, we had
1: played the clip of Chris Fedor talking about um, Donovan Mitchell, how phenomenal he's been in Cleveland, and the fact that, to this point, Cavs fans have not embraced Donovan Mitchell like other, maybe, I don't even know if he's talking about just elite Cavs or just other Cavs players. And I'm I'm curious who he's, like, comparing it to as well because, like, we can't compare anybody in the embracement of that that player with uh, like a guy like LeBron. So is it more Kevin Love? Because I I think it took a long time for Kevin Love to get accepted by Cleveland fans. He was always kind of the odd man out of the trio.
2: Well, I didn't hold that LeBron like undermined him from the start with the whole try, try fit fitting in fit instead of yeah. fitting out tweet and. Yeah. Like I think people then were like, "Oh, this Kevin Love guy, he just he's he's not gonna work out here."
1: We need a thirty for thirty on Kevin Love's time in Cleveland. It's a roller coaster ride. I mean, and then like, at, then there was the the oh rejoice he resigned. Oh wait, he's not worth his contract and it's an immovable contract. He sucks. We hate him. And then oh wait, he's. He's embraced this new role. And then it's like, uh, he had a falling out with the Cavs. I don't really – like, it ended on the biggest <laughs> what the hell ever, like what changed ever. Um, oh, we kind of forgot the point where he became one of, like, the leading players in the NBA in helping, being open and honest with mental health yeah. and kind yeah. of – so, like, I one day I want just my Kevin Love in Cleveland 30 for 30. That's all I'll I ask I also for. say,
2: too, whenever there's, like, a big three situation going on, the third guy – Always gets the shaft in terms of... It was Bosh. Yeah, it was Bosh in in Miami. Everyone thought like he was the weak link, making fun of him all the time. This guy doesn't fit with this group, so it's always the third guy.
1: So uh, we're going to welcome in the third guy. As the guest ho- or sorry, as the guest, That's now not a good
2: way to bring him in. Saying yeah, the third guy yeah. mattered the least in these big threes, and then we're welcoming in Chris. As well, no, the third in this guy?
1: scenario, he becomes my Kyrie, and you become my Kevin Love. Oh, okay. Chris Fedor, I get
2: demoted. I got it
1: on the well for your sphere <laughs> takes on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Fedor, what's up, buddy?
3: What's going on, guys? How
1: are you? Good. Oh, doing well. So, we played uh an answer of you uh, talking about Donovan and and why and asking the question why Cleveland hasn't bought more in on Donovan uh despite yeah. the um, immense amount of stuff he's done with JP last night. I'm just curious like cuz I I had not considered that. So, this is not a sarcastic question. It's not but like what evidence do we have or wh- where can we look to find how maybe Cleveland hasn't embraced Donovan in that way?
3: I just get it all the time from readers that, that ask me questions via Hey Chris or on X formerly Twitter. Um, and I know that's not the best representation, obviously, of this, but, but I also think it's reflected in the All-Star voting. I mean, Cleveland is a city. Cleveland is a fan base that got freaking Peyton Hillis on the cover of Madden <laughs> when he had no business being on that cover, when he wasn't anything close to one of the best players in the entire NFL which is usually what Madden covers are reserved for, that caliber player. And they got him on the cover of Madden, and they couldn't get Donovan Mitchell in the All-Star game. I, I just don't understand why Donovan, the player, is not more popular around the country, and I don't understand like why he hasn't been fully embraced by this fan base. I, I wonder if part of it has to do with the fact that people are just resigned to the fact that he's going to leave for New York at some yeah. point in his career.
2: That was what I was going to kind of ask next, because it feels like ever since he got here, um, even you know the moment the trade happens, it was all the reporting. Yeah. Well, he thought he was going to the Knicks. He ends up in Cleveland. So I don't know. I guess I kind of feel like that's the reason. But is, is that kind of the sense that you get that it's just fans kind of being cautiously optimistic about wanting to believe that somebody other than LeBron would stay here for a long period of time?
3: I mean, I guess it's possible, anything's possible, but things change so quickly in the NBA and and what is one year is not necessarily what it's going to be the next year or the next year. Um, I mean, people change destinations in the NBA and then some people stay in the NBA. It's just no way to predict what's going to happen. So I've always looked at this as a situation, even with Donovan or even when it was Kyrie or LeBron, whoever it may be, just enjoy the ride while these guys are here. There's no guarantee that they're going to stay. But if they do stay, then it just becomes all that much more exciting. And since Donovan arrived here in Cleveland, he has done nothing but go completely all in on this organization um, and in this community as well. Like he helped recruit Max Struess and George Niang this past off season. He organized player team workouts this off season. Um, So he has done everything um, that he possibly can to ingrain himself into this community and into this franchise since coming over from the Utah jazz. And I just don't know what anybody else could want from Donovan um, on the court from a basketball standpoint or off the court um, in terms of how he has embraced this city and this community and this franchise.
1: Chris, I think given um, where the Cavs are right now, all by their lonesome as the two seed in the East, That Mm -hmm. started to open up questions about, well, maybe a deeper run in the playoffs is possible. Let's say, I'm just going to give you a direct hypothetical. Uh, The Uh, Cavs make the Eastern Conference Finals, and it's very competitive, but they they top out there. Does that increase the chances significantly that Donovan would stay long-term or sign an extension this offseason?
3: Yeah, I definitely think that that's a possibility. And I definitely think that that's something that Donovan is looking at. And I think it's something that he cares about. Um, The sense that I get in getting to know Donovan the way that I have over the last year and a half is that he wants to win. He is at a stage in his career as a basketball player where he feels like he should be competing for NBA championships. And he wants a place where he can compete for NBA championships for multiple years. And he wants to believe in the roster. He wants to believe in the organization. Um, he wants to believe in his teammates that they're at the same level and they're ready to give him the thing that is missing from his resume. Ultimately, right? He's a multi.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s. It's over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
3: By time, all-star. Um, he is one of the most prolific scorers in the entire NBA. But the thing that people hold against Donovan, the basketball player, is that he has never been past the second round in his entire career, despite the fact that he's gotten to the playoffs every year that he's been in the NBA. He's never gotten out of the second round, and he's being outplayed by some guys who aren't viewed in the same light as Donovan when he gets to the playoffs, Jalen Brunson being one of those guys. So that's the next step for Donovan in his career. He understands that. That's the reputation that he's trying to change. And I think he'll be looking for the place that gives him the best chance to be a champion. And if the Cavs can find a way to make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals and show that Darius Garland is ready to win at that level and Evan Mobley is ready to win at that level and he's got the teammates around him that can make him compete for those championships, I do think that's something that's going to resonate with Donovan because there has to be enough of a basketball related reason for him um, to, to determine where it is. He wants to play his basketball next. Like, yeah, there's the New York thing. I think a lot of people understand that Donovan loves New York. He's from New York. He spends time in New York. Maybe it's just a situation where he wants to be a member of the New York Knicks before his career finishes. But there has to be enough of a basketball-related reason. And if the Cavs can show that they can go farther than the Knicks and they can compete with the top teams in the Eastern Conference, then there wouldn't be any reason for him to leave that behind, at least not right now.
2: Chris Fedor, Cleveland.com, joining us on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Uh, This trade deadline for the Cavs' uh, perspective is interesting, Chris, because we know during the LeBron years there was always a lot of pressure to add and make the team better. And then even when he left, it felt like there was always big rumors for the Cavs. Like, oh, is Kevin Love going to be on the block and all these different things? But this year given how the team's playing, they've won 14-15, of 15, they're on this great run, they they kind of, in a way, got guys back in a trade deadline way with, with Garland and, and Moby kind of getting back into the rotation here and that there's a chance for them to get better just from that naturally. It doesn't feel like they have to make any moves tomorrow, so what are, what are you expecting them to do? Should it be a quiet trade deadline for the Cavs?
3: I think that's the way to put it, guys. Oftentimes, an organization's deadline approach is born out of necessity or desperation. Sometimes it's born... Um, out of like what you actually have to offer and whether that fits the players that are actually out there on the market. But the Cavs are in a situation, and I'm not sitting here saying that they're the Boston Celtics, right? They're on that level, or they're the Los Angeles Clippers, or the Denver Nuggets, or something like that. Um, but this is one of the best teams in the NBA, and they don't need to fix this roster. Um, sure. Could they go out and add a 3-and-D wing? Sure play some defense, shoot the ball, score a little bit, give you some insurance at the back end of your rotation, I could understand why the Cavs would explore that. And they are exploring that possibility. Could they add a little bit more beef in the front court just in case, um, you know, Tristan Thompson doesn't come back as the same kind of player following his 25 game suspension. Um, Do they want somebody who can play more of those center minutes as opposed to Evan Mobley? Um, just until mid-March when Tristan comes off of his suspension? Sure, I could see that. Do they want a more reliable backup point guard so they don't have to use Donovan Mitchell as the backup point guard or Karis LaVert as the backup point guard or lean on 23-year-old undrafted rookie Craig Porter Jr.? Yeah, I could see that as well. And I think if the opportunity presents itself where the Cavs can improve their roster, the back end of their rotation, without giving up much of value then I think they'll explore that all the way up until the buzzer. Um, but they don't need anything. Um, it's hard enough for Jv Vickerstaff to find consistent minutes for Sam Merrill, who belongs in this rotation. It's hard enough for Jv Vickerstaff, when fully healthy, for Dean Wade to get the kind of playing time that he has earned and he probably deserves based on the two-way impact that he has made for this team in the absence of Evan Mobley. So there are teams out there that the complexion of their season probably changes based on what they do at the trade deadline. Um, Milwaukee comes to mind, the Philadelphia 76ers, and whether they can find somebody to fill in for Joel Embiid and get them into the playoffs where he comes back and maybe he makes an impact. The Los Angeles Lakers need to do something. Um, The New York Knicks probably need a boost from their bench because it's one of the worst benches in the NBA, and it got weakened when they traded for OG Ananobi. But the Cavs aren't in that same kind of situation. The weaknesses that they had exposed in the first-round playoff series against New York, those were addressed in the offseason, and there are reasons to believe that there's internal growth that's going to happen with this group when they have more time together, when they figure some things out, how to play with each other, find different lineups and combinations that work. All of those things can still happen for the Cavs um, in the second half of the regular season making them a better team going into the playoffs without actually having to make a move at the trade deadline. So I think it's going to be quiet tomorrow.
2: As a follow-up, Chris, because Isaac Okoro has been one of the names that's kind of floated in rumors of of a player they could potentially move tomorrow. Mm -hmm. If he's not moved, does Cleveland still intend to attempt to retain him this summer and give an extension or has his play recently maybe priced him out because we know Cleveland's trying to avoid going into the tax?
3: The Cavs understand that restricted free agency benefits them in this kind of situation. It protects teams like this. And I had a source tell me earlier this morning that the Cavs plan is to have Isaac Okoro back this summer um, mm. to find a deal that works for them and for him. Um, he wants to be here. He loves it here. The Cavs like him. They value him. They've invested in him. He's obviously their best point of attack defender. So the Cavs plan is to bring him back this summer.
1: Chris, looking elsewhere, uh, have you seen the sphere in, in Las Vegas up uh, close? We go.
3: Up close? Yeah. No, I've seen it on TV.
1: Okay, so just in general, do you think it's overrated? I
3: don't, I don't have a full understanding of what it is, but I think it's really, really cool, and I don't know how people rate it to begin with
1: mm yeah it like especially if like they haven't seen it up close is that, is that yeah. kind of okay yeah I, yeah i just that's a little show thing there um we also found <laughs> out or, or have heard of a proposed e s p n fox Warner Brothers sports streaming service, and this has been dumped on by a lot of sports fans I'm just curious whether you think it's a good idea
3: in what way
1: Meaning like, is this, do you think this helps the sports fan enjoy sports more if it's all going to be consolidated on one app?
3: Look, I think the more you can bring sports fans to their phone <laughs> and get them away from their TV, this generation of sports fan, I think it's a positive thing. Um, I, I don't know that people have a problem with, okay, is it on this app? Is it on that app? Is it on this app? Is it on that app? I think as long as it's on an app, and it's attached to a phone, I think this generation of sports fans, they're going to be able to find it.
1: Chris, we appreciate you. We appreciate your correct take on the sphere. And uh, happy deadline, bud.
3: (laughs) It's always nice to be on the right side of an argument. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I don't know what it's like to be on the wrong side. Yeah, it's a matter of perspective. (laughs) Uh, you, You should give me your LeBron James peanut butter sandwich analogy off air. Fedor, great stuff, buddy. Appreciate you.
3: You got to guess. Anytime.
1: Thanks, Chris. Chris Fedor on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. When it comes to what Chris said, there's a part of me that says, like, okay, I can see that. Like, I, like there is a part of it. Like, we've gone from JB trusts
2: seven dudes in this rotation to now JB's. Oh, he, he joked the other night. He was like, I don't really like going higher than nine, yeah. but basically these guys have all earned it, so I kind of have to go to ten. Yeah, and so
1: now JB's learning on the opposite side what it's like to kind of juggle to too many great players i don't like that is a reason though to not approach something at the deadline i i think some of what we're saying about this team is because of how well they're playing and i think it's i think good organizations understand the difference between uh 14 of 15 and where your real needs lie and they they do have two real needs they have a a, a serious need at backup center because uh, who knows what Tristan's going to give you. I mean, it was a miracle the minutes Tristan gave you when Evan Mobley was out the first well, time. Now I don't know why. Well, I mean, we can speculate. <laughs> but, like, so I do think you need a legitimate backup center. Yeah. And and the worst-case scenario is Tristan's buried on your bench, which at this point, what's it, the best availability the best ability is availability. The second thing is you can't tell me they don't need somebody on the wing. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's probably more of a long-term fix at some point you're going to have to say well can Isaac truly be a starter can any of these guys be a starter or are we going to have to deal from our from our core four to get that guy but I just think you you should always be open to the perfect move I'm sure the Cavs are when it comes to wings but like I don't want to look at this and say, well, they've won 14 of 15 because, guys, they could lose three of four and our pers- or a bit, an injury could happen, and our perspective on this thing could change very quickly.
2: I'm, like, so torn on what the Cavs should do tomorrow because you're right. I, like, I, I can't sit here. On one hand, I think about what other teams are going to do, and I got a feeling the Celtics are going to try to add. I got a feeling the Bucs are going to try to add, and those are teams you're directly competing with. So it's like, well, I kind of want you to do something that might make you better but then you think about the assets that they have at their disposal and what they'd have to give up. And you're like, is, is there really a move you can make that makes you substantially better? And that's where it's hard because, I, like, I'm not trying to get lost in the sauce on the 14 to 15. And, yeah, they're on this great run, so it's just going to keep going. Like, I recognize that these this can be fleeting. Like, they could lose six in a row starting tomorrow, or, or tonight, rather, and it could all go downhill. So you just never know. But I, I think... This is one of the first years where I'm not imploring them to go do something either because I almost do feel like without a trade, their big move is getting Mobley and Garland back in this new way that they're playing. So that's that's kind of the thing. Like those two are out, and this new style that they talked about trying to do became their reality and their identity. And now it's almost like, okay, now that you know this is working, where do those two guys slot in? How can you maximize them? To get the most out of this team, so if they do stand pat, I'm going to be fine. But if they don't stand pat, and then the Bucks go out and make this big swing, I'm going to be like, "Well, damn, what do what do you what do you do now?" Well, but you don't. Ha- I I I really it irks me a little bit when
1: teams use the well. But it's like we made a trade because we got Evan and Darius back. No, it's not. Um, yes, those guys weren't here previously, and yes, it is a challenge to work them back in. It's, it's but that doesn't yeah. mean that that changes your need. And like if That's Evan fair. if Evan gets hurt again or if uh, uh, J.A. gets hurt, Jared uh, Allen gets hurt, you're going to need yeah. somebody that can give you 25 minutes, and that's tough to find for a team like Cleveland on the buyout market, anybody of quality. So I guess my point is there's not one move that I say you have to make. Yeah. And I'm okay if you say to me, well, we're going to stand pat. But in two weeks, if things have slowed down I'd, or if somebody gets hurt, I don't want to hear the excuse of, well, we didn't anticipate this. Okay, then you didn't do your job. You got fooled by by winning 14 of 15. It doesn't mean it's yeah. going to happen, but I just think really smart organizations are always ahead of the curve and it seems like the Cavs are far too reactionary for a small market team that is facing an uphill yeah. climb to truly be a top 2 seed in the Eastern Conference.
2: I and, and I don't want to get lost in the the cliche the coach cliche I use of, well, they it's, like, it's almost like they made a trade cuz I I agree with you like I think that's kind of a silly thing that when when teams say that for me it's just more so they 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 now have this new style that they're playing with it, like they're they're almost in the worst case scenario for the trade deadline to be because if this was still Moby and Garland were not playing and the team was still str- was struggling they hadn't won all the games that they won then you'd be like okay they got to make a move if they were struggling with those guys right back integrated it'd be obvious they have to make a move you're still sort of in the middle of that. And so it's not clear and obvious that they should make a move in, in relation to this year. Because when you make a move the deadline, is generally about this year. So that, that's why I think it's a hard dilemma, and it's different than what we've seen in the past, where usually they're linked to something, whether it was when LeBron was here, whether it was when Kevin Love was here, and there was always like, they're ready to make some big move if they need to. This year, that's not the case.
1: Are you guys okay if the Cavs don't make a move by the deadline tomorrow?